going to invite Jen, and she's going to share uh, with us on today's message. Well, first of all, just wow. Just like, wow, amen, wow. Because it is so awesome to hear what's going on with you guys that Nathan and I have seen and heard through conversation, and now everybody knows. And now the visions that have been placed on our hearts and on our minds, they're, they're coming to be. And I can't even tell you how excited I am about that because we've got kids up here sharing faith stories. That is awesome. We've got kids praying for adults and, and adults praying for kids. Awesome. We know that God is moving in everybody's life right now, and that's huge. And so that makes what I'm going to share even that much better for a couple of weeks. I did. I sat there back there, and I'm like, I got to go. I need to say this. This is so cool because it really is so cool. Um, for today's sermon, my upper elementary friends, I don't have a lot prepared because there's a lot about worship today, and that's really Pastor Nate's um, area of expertise and not so much mine. So I really want you to learn from him today. But in a couple weeks, we are going to be back to Ezra and Nehemiah and the building of the wall. And um, we just came up with this really awesome idea for us to build a wall for us to, to build up that wall around Jerusalem again and to do it brick by brick with each household here. And it's not just going to be a kid thing. It's going to be an everybody thing because it, it, it's not just a message for the kids. It's an experience for all of us to have as a church body and as a church family. So what we're going to be doing is today, I have the, these big pieces of cardstock, and I'm going to be sending them home with each each family and each household and doesn't matter single married grandma parent kid everybody gets one okay and on there are there there are some directions to put your household name on there you can put each family member's name on there if you want we'd like you to um, also add the gifts that your family brings to the building of the wall. We've been talking quite a lot over the last few months about sharing our gifts and, and growing up the body and strengthening the body. So we want you to put those on there. And we want you to add some something that you are praying for God to do in your household right now. Something that you're asking him to be doing. Because one of the big lessons that I've been taking away from Nehemiah right now is that God is for us. God fights for us. And so our goal is we're going to build a wall, and we're going to see how God's fighting for us on that wall, just like he did with Nehemiah and the Israelites who were building the wall back then. And we've got a lot more to it, but this is the basic. Everybody get their piece of paper today. You have two weeks to work on it. I wanted to give everybody some time. I know some people like to be really creative and artistic, and others... It can be whatever you want. It's your reflection of your walk with God and, and what you, um, how you're seeing him work in your life right now. Bring them back in two weeks. I won't be here next week, so I'll make sure somebody else is here handing them out for those of you who don't have them. If you forget, we'll still have some in a couple of weeks as well. But be praying about this for the next couple of weeks, guys, because already I can tell God's going to do amazing things with this. All right. So just to be clear, we're going to, we're going to put these bricks on this wall here and just create a, a, pic, a picture of our church and what God's doing here. And it'll be a great thing to look at, to be praying for one another and seeking the Lord with that tool together.
But we are, we are in the first section of the return home from exile uh, that God's people went through. Um, last week was, was an awesome week. Greg Veach shared about Daniel. There's some good faith stories last week. I really enjoyed it. We were visiting with Ed and MJ Kovaleski in Saranac Lake. They're, they send their greetings back to you. Ed's one of our previous elders here, and they're doing quite well in their new, in their new house. I wanted to make an announcement since it wasn't made last week. We have some really good news about answered prayer in the church. So I'm going to just share some, some answered prayer requests. One is that we have a new office manager, and it's not me. That's good. Uh, Julie Harmon is taking over in the office. It's an amazing thing. It's very exciting because I, I didn't even know she was available, but it turns out that with her kids being in school, she started, she's been praying to God and asking him what to do with her time. Then when this popped up, it was like, wow, I think this might be it. So got her resume and uh, interviewed her, and she is starting. We've done some training, but she's going to be starting full-time in March. So really excited about that. Another, another great uh, prayer request that God has answered is, you know, uh, Jesse mentioned about pastoring and what pastors and eldership. You know, we have two people going through an el- understanding eldership uh, class with me and talking about what it means to be an elder just to explore it. And so we're, we're adding, we're going to be adding some elders pretty soon, I hope, uh, but, and uh, seeing, seeing what the Bible says about it. One of the things the Bible says is that they're supposed to smell like the sheep. So um, a, lot, a lot of the care the elders do is, uh, you know, teaching, preaching, and just caring for the needs of the body. And so that's what we're raising up more people to do that. Really excited about that. Um, another answered prayer request. As has been pointed out, you know, we have opened up faith stories again after, after the pandemic, and we have adults and kids sharing in, in the faith stories. We have the greeting team, which was, was a prayer answered that Connie Patty is leading up, and uh, we, were, we were praying for that as well. We have adults and children you might see coming in. Elias and Olivia were part of the greeting team. Because um, the whole goal is to fully integrate the kids into the life of the church, right? And the service in the church. We have Sunday morning hospitality, which Jesse Davidson, you saw earlier, is, is making happen. And that was an answer to prayer. And he's training up uh, other people, including some young people, to be a part of that. And we've added many adults and children to the worship team as well which has been just such a delight. We've been enjoying the season on the worship so much and what the, these young folks bring to the table in terms of uh, instrumentation and voices. Amazing talent in the church. And uh, another answer to prayer is we, we got our local, global, local and global outreach team put together. And so we've been looking at ways to serve our community and also we, we have been looking at ways to serve our world. So we have a mission team going out, which Jen mentioned last week. We also have um, a partnership with Shelters of Saratoga. So if you're coming out the doors over here, there's a big box, and we're looking to raise uh, items needed for the shelter, which, are, which they've made very specific for us to know, socks, shirts, different things like that. And we're going to be donating that to Shelters of Saratoga, just trying to be a, a good partner with our community as a way of starting out our, our outreach. Uh, and, you know, of course... Some of the other amazing things, the, the platform that's being built, the, the carpeting in the office, all these things are just answers to prayer. And there are still many, many points of vision yet to be fulfilled, but I'm just so happy with how things are going. I'm so thankful uh, that many of you have sought to solidify your membership in the body of Christ. You know, from, from hospitality to eldership, people are stepping up in amazing ways 
Uh, people are stepping up, as, as uh, Jesse shared, to preach and teach. And, you know, there are no rules about that. Um, the, main, the main job of an elder is to preach and teach and care for the church in that way. But the, the preaching, the pulpit, is open to whoever is gifted to preach and teach. And so we're really thankful for the ways we've had many people uh, doing that. During the pandemic, we talked about the importance of every person at New Life just finding their place in the body and, and doing it. And we dreamed about our church on the other side of the pandemic and what that would look like. Well, now we are seemingly coming out the other side and we're beginning to bear new fruit in new ways here at the church. Answered prayers are, a for me, that's such a huge thing to see God answering specific prayers week after week that we pray. And I wanted to encourage you not to become discouraged in some of this foundational work that God is doing, but to be encouraged that he's answering prayer, he's moving among the body. It's a rebuilding time for new life. It's a rebuilding time for new life. God is a builder and a rebuilder. That's something we've seen in the Word. Before the pandemic, we had a period of pruning where people were, were coming and going from the church uh, to enable future growth. And now God is turning things over spiritually and physically in our church um, in a progressive way. And it's very exciting to see it. God has been working. Uh, during, during the pandemic, of course, it was difficult to see always what God was doing. But the work he's been doing has been in the foundation of the church. Someone in the church who, who's prophetic was sharing with me a picture they have about a foundation. You know, foundation when it's being built. And there's a, there's a house in our neighborhood where they're building a foundation for new new homes. And it's not necessarily very pretty or fun down there. It's cement. It's rebar. You know, it's, it's, it's stuff that, like, you wouldn't really want to see drainage ditches and stone and dirt. It seems like it takes forever for them to get that foundation done. Like, in my development, it just seemed like it took forever. Then all of a sudden, the whole house is built. Like, they go up really quick. The foundation takes a long time. It's not always pretty, but it's a work that God does. And uh, as I said, it's been more progressive than I even thought it would be. The COVID-19 has been a time for ch challenging. It's been a challenging time for all churches, all people, some more than others. But God's been working. One of, the, one of the things that I know is that we can't always see the fruit that God is, is, uh, is doing in a church. It's like when you, when you see a, a plant and you have to turn the leaves over to see what the, the fruit that's growing underneath. And that's kind of, it's kind of like we're looking from above and seeing the leaves, but there's fruit growing underneath it. It's like when I was a, when I was a kid, I was, I was given an ant farm for Christmas. And I was very excited about the ant farm. You send away for the ants. They come in the mail. You've, have you done this before? Who's done an ant farm? Do kids do ant farms anymore? Wow, I'm the only one in the church. Sea monkeys? Sea monkeys, yes. We did sea monkeys in our house that graduated to cats. Um, with my little ant farm, and I guess this is a, something people don't do anymore, I send away for the ants, I put them in there, and I was a very orderly child. Like, I liked things to be just so in my room. I'd make my bed every day. I'm just a very neat and tidy type person. So I had this almost, you know, to the point of being obsessed compulsive <laughs> when I was a kid. So I, I took my ant farm and put it on the shelf. It was directly centered on the shelf. I'd look at it. Is it centered? It's centered. And I'm um, just being neurotic. And nothing happened. Nothing happened in this stupid ant farm. And I got really mad about it. And... I took that ant farm and I shook it. And when I, when I was in the process of about to shake it, I realized all the tunnels were on the back of the ant. Everything that was happening, there was stuff happening that just wasn't visible to the naked eye. And I think that this is one of those times in church growth and foundation building where people can get discouraged and feel like, what's, what's going on after the pandemic? But there's, there's tunnels being built. Don't shake the ant farm. 
find your place in the body of Christ and do it. Uh, talk to us about your, your calling and what you think God wants you to do. Think about, seriously, about this project of, of putting a square up on the wall to be part of this good wall. It's not going to be a great wall. It's going to be a good wall. Last time, I, I said to myself, the last time people heard about walls this much was 2016. But this is not quite the same thing. Just like with my ant farm, don't shake the thing too soon. Give us some time. In this, in this section of the story, uh, this, is a, this is a really relevant and prophetic piece of scripture for us in the church. Because this is about the rebuilding of the, wall, of the temple in Jerusalem. And I think that God is really speaking to our church. And as Jen said, we've been talking about this in the office. Um, over the next few chapters of the story about the building and the rebuilding. You know, we might be tempted to give ourselves credit or even task ourselves with being the ones who rebuild Christ, who build Christ's body of the church. But all true spiritual growth begins with, the, with God working in the hearts of individuals and in the church as they respond to God's call. And as we're going to see in our reading today, God's call is so irresistible that even a non-Jewish pagan king couldn't, couldn't turn away from it. So this is a copy of the Bible. This is the, the story. It's an abridged version of the Bible that we're reading through in, in church and in our, in our small groups. Now I'm going to be reading from this today. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. Mind you, this is not a Christian king. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And may their God be with them. May their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock and freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shezbazar brought all, these, brought all of these along with the exiles when they came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. This is really quite a, quite a remarkable story about a pagan king feeling God's, hearing God's call, irresistible call, to let people living in his kingdom who were exiled go back to their land and build a temple. God moved so much in Cyrus's heart, even as a non-believer, that he said, this is what you guys need to do, and may your God be with you. Notice he doesn't say, may our God be with you, may your God be with you. Uh, it's, it's really quite a miracle. And in this short section, we see this phrase that says, God moved in the heart two times. First in King Cyrus of Persia, and then in the hearts of God's own people as the building is coming underway. So the phrase moved in the heart, that says King Cyrus was moved in the heart, uh, the people were moved in the heart to do the building. It literally means stirring up the spirit, just stirring up, like a stoking of the spirit, um, if you look at the Hebrew. And so King, King Cyrus gets his heart stoked, and then the hearts of some of God's people are stoked as well. They're stoked, 
not just with excitement, but with fire. And um, literally, they were, they were stirred in spirit. The, something inside them said, wake up. Get excited. Get into action. And I wonder, if you, have you ever had a time in your life as a Christian where you felt like God did this with you? Where you stirred in your heart? Where there was a hardness or something that had grown over your heart and you just felt distant from God? And then someone, you know, was shared this morning, someone prayed for you. Someone, you know, you know somehow God spoke to you through a sermon, through a worship song, just in your, in your soul, giving you a peace. And you are stirred in the heart. You are moved to, to wake up and do something. Rebuilding always starts with God's work in the heart. First, the Lord moved the heart of King Cyrus of Persia, a pagan king, to make a proclamation that the temple should be rebuilt. And then the Lord moved in Cyrus's heart to provide the people with all of the materials that they needed to build the temple, including all of the old instruments from Solomon's temple, which had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar. So if you remember in Greg's sermon last week, in Daniel 5, they have a big old wild party, Nebuchadnezzar and his people, and they use the sacred gold articles from the temple to be basically dr drunken, bad situation. Um, and so it was, it was a really, really horrible thing. And then they were put into the temple of the pagan gods and kind of defiled in that way. But King Cyrus of Persia is, is moved and he takes all of those articles that were used for, for bad things and gave them to Belshazzar um, or, I'm sorry, gave them to the, the people as they're going to about the rebuilding. So this, all, this whole rebuilding project started with God moving in a pagan king's heart. God can move in anyone's heart. And next, God moves in the, moved in the heart of some of his people, it says. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose, God, who, whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build. Everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build. The house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. So everything starts with God. That's why I wanted to bring this up that this phrase, moved in the heart, is kind of a unique phrase. It happens twice, both in God's people and in the pagan king who authorized the rebuilding. Every, every work begins with God's action in the hearts of people. That's where it begins. Stirring, the, stirring them awake, stoking their spirit to the task that God has for them to do. So God's people move into position to begin the building process. They're getting prepared says in the word, the whole company numbered 42,360. Can you believe this pagan King Cyrus let all these people go? <laughs> it's amazing. Besides their 7,337 male and female slaves, and they also had 200 male and female singers, they had 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 6, donkeys. It's a lot of donkeys. The Babylonians appointed Zerubbabel, grandson of Jehoiachin, Judah's next-to-last king, as governor of Judah, making him the last of the line of David to be entrusted with political authority. Around 537, Zerubbabel led these nearly 50,000 people back home to begin their rebuilding mission, with long, hard labor ahead of them. The people remembered to put first things first. With courage and conviction, they rebuilt the altar first, then laid the foundation for the house of God. True worship was, again, a reality. When the seventh month, seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. 
Then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of, God, of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both of the morning and evening sacrifices. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. So in any God-directed building project, where God's moving in the heart of people to do something, you know, God's people have to get first things first. They really do. What would have made the most sense for these guys is not to build an altar, but to build a wall to protect the work they were doing from outside forces. But uh, their, their priority was worship before anything else. They believed that worship was the foundation of everything they were going to be building. And so God's people chose to honor God first uh, by rebuilding the, uh, the altar to the Lord and to go to the word of God to find out what God wanted them to do. And so they build this altar they don't have any guards. They don't have any wall around them. They build this altar in the middle of the land. And they go to God's word and they find out about the festivals that God had appointed and all of the things that God desired them to do in the temple. And they did those things first. They had that priority of worship before anything else, which is really incredible, this honoring of God. And it was a faith-filled risk. Because to do this, it meant that they were vulnerable to being attacked by the enemy even before the foundation of the temple had the opportunity to be laid. But they did it anyway. So after this time, they had praise and worship, all these, these sacrifices and festivals, and after all that, the foundation was finally laid for the temple. In God's rebuilding project, you know, we also, at New Life, we must be a people of prayer and worship before anything else. Before anything else we do. People of the Word of God, the Scriptures, and people of faith and prayer, people of action. Um, if we do not start with faith, if we do not go from what the scriptures tell us about God and we kind of do our own thing, you know, it's not going to be a good rebuilding pro project because the best foundation is not man-made, but God-made. Uh, made up of a people who honor God and his word above how they feel, above what's going on, and take a faith-filled risk to prioritize worship and prayer in all things. Every time the people of God turn back to God's word in Scripture, great things happen. In the history of the kings, we saw a lot of really bad and rough situations with kings, but there were a couple instances where one of the kings discovered the Scriptures of Moses, and they said, oh, wow, let's read this, and they read it publicly, and the people repented and turned to God based on his word. King Josiah was one of the kings that did this. And he, he wanted to honor God before anything else. And God blessed that king. Because every building project needs to honor the word of God. It needs to be uh, prioritizing worship above all else in faith. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places in the praise to praise the Lord, as prescribed by King David of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they said 
to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. Not bad, Becca. <laughs> right in our reading today. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, Solomon's temple, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. Whenever God does a new work of building and rebuilding in his people, there's going to be a mix of joy and sorrow, which is what we see in this passage here. For new people, they're just joining into the, to what God is doing. It's, a, it's really exciting. Hey, we're just joining in and jumping on the bandwagon of what God's doing in the church, and we're really excited about it. There, the, but for others who have been around church for a long time, rebuilding the foundation and, and, ch- and changing things around can be a source of great grief for those people. You look at the new work that God's doing, and you look nostalgically to the work God used to do, or, or did in the past, and you, you have this sadness. It's not the same. It's not exactly what um, we, we, we saw back then. You know, there's always, a, there's always a sense in rebuilding where you are releasing, you're blessing and releasing the past things that God has done in order to make room to receive the new things that God wants to do. And we don't really know everything that God wants us to do in the future of our church. But one thing I do know is we honor the past, we hold it very loosely, and we take hold of the future God has for us. It's going to be a mix of joy with sorrow. And it's okay to have joy mixed with sorrow. It's okay to, to long for a previous uh, generation or a previous time in your life that seemed much more vibrant to you. Um, but it's of utmost importance that we not judge the present according to the past. Because that impulse can get in the way of a new thing God wants to do in a generation. It can get in the way. So the sound of weeping, the sound of, of shouting for joy was so great that the, the enemies around the temple foundation heard it. And when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the days of Irshadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Now, so if you're wondering if these are sincere people that wanting to help, listen to this part. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Thus, the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The, the, the returnees' initial success alarmed the Samaritans and other neighbors who feared what a rebuilt temple in a thriving Jewish state might mean to the political stability of the area. They therefore opposed the project vigorously, hindering the work for about six years and stopping it completely for another ten years. You don't realize how long these time periods are until you really look carefully. Weary of the resistance and weary of the fighting, the Israelites began thinking that maybe this wasn't the right time to build the Lord's house after all. Instead, they concentrated on their own homes and settling down. 
but God had different plans. Once again intervening, he sent his prophets to jumpstart the temple project. Haggai's message helped shake the people out of their complacency. When God is doing a new work and God is building and rebuilding in the church or in, the peop- in his people, all of the powers of your flesh as a person, your sinful nature, your sin, demonic forces, satanic forces, and world powers will come against the work. They just will. In this passage, we see the enemies of God nearly halted the rebuilding work completely because of how discouraged God's people were with their little project. And those enemies were successful. They discouraged the, the Israelites, and the Israelites started doubting God's word to them about building the temple. They said, maybe it's not the right time. And they said, you know, not much is happening in, in, the, in the people of God here, so we're going to go back to our individual homes and build those up. So for those 16 years, the people stumbled. They decided the work of rebuilding was too hard, too much opposition. They doubted God's timing. And they decided to go inward and focus on themselves. And God's mercy came to them through several different prophets. If you look at uh, this word from Haggai, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while, this house remains, while my house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else, the ground produces, on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord, Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Here we see it again. Even with the stumble, even with the discouragement, even with the giving up, the word of the Lord comes to them, and they, they believe it, and then he stirs their spirits again. He stokes their hearts one, once again to continue the rebuilding, which is really exciting. The people had decided to go inward and just focus on their own homes and houses. It's just too hard to build the people of God. We're going to focus on ourselves. The, the work on the temple had ceased. But through a quick word of the Lord, they get restarted. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of 
not only Zerubbabel, but all of the people, all the remnant of the whole people, they all got stirred by the Holy Spirit. It's a really, really encouraging word. This pandemic, of course, has had a different effect on everybody. Some people respond by, by doubling down on their relationships in the church. And some others responded by becoming more inwardly or self-focused. All of us, I think, did that to some degree. Some people have drifted away from their church family. Some people took a break from new life and have not come back. Um, it's, I think people have been, become discouraged by how hard the work can be, you know? When you get used to... Uh, when, you get, when you get used to being away from the body of Christ, you develop new, new habits and new things. And it can become a time of where it's very hard to get out of bed in the morning even on, on a Sunday. Uh, this is just what we've been through as a culture. And it is so tempting. You know, we always say this in our, in our small group. We always say this. It's too cold. It's too hot. Someone might be sick. There's so many reasons that's good to, like, you want to stay home and rest and just be in your own paneled house and work on your own stuff. It's just, it's very tempting. It's hard to get out of your sweatpants, I wrote in my notes. <laughs> the pandemic has marked all of us in a certain way. But the good news is, Israel was off the rails of that building project for years, but God did not abandon them. He understood and had grace for a difficult period of time, just like he has for us. And just in the very beginning, the text says, God stirred the leaders and people up once again to continue the work. He warned, he warned the people without really condemning them, which I think is the same is true for us as well, and challenged them through the prophets to get back to the work. And they did. Now, God had grace for his people when they lost focus, he has grace for you and me in our season as well. It's time now to get back to the work that God's doing at the church, to receive God's limitless grace, to put our hands back on the plow, to really engage with what God's doing here. And here's the Lord's dream for his people, his rebuilt people. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty? This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words. Let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. This is also what the prophets said who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Before that time, there were no wages for people or hire for animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies, since I had turned everyone against their neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this, this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well, and the vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all of these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Just as you, Judah, and Israel have been a curse among the nations, so I will save you, and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid. Let your hands be strong. Isn't that beautiful encouragement? In the midst of a huge uh, break in their story, you know, God says, you know what, I long for the sound. I, I, lo I long, to, as, God, as your God who loves his people, I long to see people living into old age, walking around with their canes, 
and you hear the laughter of children. You know, this is one of the things that, you know, Jackie and I have really been, been praying for in the church. I mean, as an example of, 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 fi- of, of fighting and engaging with God in prayer, you know, we, we're sad that, like, Naomi doesn't have a baby in the nursery to play with most weeks. You know, the, the sound of, of babies running around and crying and interrupting the sermons has kind of ceased because the kids have all gotten older. And now we have people that used to be babies who are graduating from high school. You know, I've been around long enough to see all that, which is crazy to think about. But we're praying. We, we're praying. We, we want to see, we want to see, to hear the sounds of little babies interrupting the sermon with their cries. Uh, we want to see the, the nursery full of moms and, and dads and their kids and the children's ministry overflowing with kids who are coming to know Jesus Christ. We want to see people um, meaningfully ministering into their very old age and, uh, and loving God's people. You know, this is, what we, this is the dream of God. And I believe that God, um, God is in this. God is in this season. It says the seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all these things as inheritance to the remnant of these people. So over the next three weeks, this is a real prophetic kind of message of of speaking truth to us in a very particular time in history, a very particular time in our history as families. And I think that God has a lot to say about what he's doing at New Life. God is is stirring in our hearts and stoking us to rebuild and to build the foundation. It takes a long time. It's not always pretty, but it's the most important part of the house. Like Israel, we must make worshiping God our first priority in this work that God's doing. Responding to God's bringing our hearts to life with doubling down on prayer and reverence for God's word in the scriptures and finding out what pleases God. We must recognize that when God moves in rebuilding, there's going to be a mixture of joy and sorrow. There will be an idealization of the past and what God did in the past and a fear of the future and what is to come or not come. There will be a mix of shouts of excitement and praise and maybe tears, depending on how long you've been part of this body. We must not allow our longing for what is past to hinder the new work that God wants to do among us. We must also recognize that opposition and difficulty does not mean that our timing is off or that we shouldn't focus on the rebuild. During times like this, we should expect opposition. We should expect it, both from within our own hearts our sinful nature and our flesh and from within the church and outside the church. We should expect opposition. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It's just the way it goes. When you move down the field, people are all trying to tackle you, right? But we must, in all of this, we must stick to being a, a person of people of prayer, people of the word of God, and keep our hands on the plow. And when we inevitably lose focus, we should never become too timid to ask God to reawaken our hearts and stir us up for the work he's called us to. Because just as God moved in our hearts in the beginning, so God will move in our, and awaken our hearts to complete the work he has for us. So during this transitional season of leaving the warmth and the ease and the safety of our living rooms to gather together as Christ's body of the church, once again, we must be diligent to push through that initial awkwardness that we all feel the exhaustion of being social again, the insecurities and fears uh, that keep us from God. To come out on the other side, both awake 
and alive to what God is doing in this season. And the big message of this whole portion of Israel's history and the rebuilding of the, of the temple and then the rebuilding of the walls is no matter who you are or where you appear in the spectrum, in, in the spectrum of responses God's people have made to the times that we live in, there is grace for every single person of this church. And every single person, part of this church, belong, you all belong here. You're a very important part of what God is building at New Life. You're irreplaceable. And just because you don't know what part of the body you are doesn't mean that you're not that part of the body. You still are. And you're irreplaceable. So the God of, so the God of grace encourages us. Let us seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on us. God is, um, has grace for us. God will, will stoke up our hearts. God will sustain us. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful, as I, as I often think to myself, I'm so grateful for this body of Christ, Lord. I'm so grateful for this family of God that you've given, given us. I pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts for, for the rebuild, Lord. I pray that you encourage each person here that just because things are difficult doesn't mean that it's not a time for building. I pray that you'd awaken each of us as we spend time with you as individuals and as we come together and worship and share songs and faith stories with one another and encourage one another. I pray that you would be building up our church into a spiritual house in which you can dwell by your presence, which I know is your, the dream that you've had from the beginning. And I thank you, Lord, that there's grace for everybody. There's grace for every place that people have gone and are coming to. I pray for unity in the church and that we all grow towards the vision you have for us. To be a community where there are babies and older people living out their years, um, loving and ministering to one another. That as a body in unity, we come, come into the fullness of the body of Christ and new life. I pray your blessing on each person here, Lord. I thank you for them all. We lift all of these things up. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Go and be the church.